0: Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio.
1: Have you ever noticed how small your world can get? Let me give you an (laughs) illustration of how this typically works out. You sit in, let's say you've got, I've got kids who play sports. I've got a ninth grader and a fifth grader. So I go to a lot of, a lot of games. Last week. My son had a fifth, sixth grade basketball game. okay. And so we're sitting in that gym. Sure. Packed on the sidelines because these elementary school gyms in the city, (laughs) they're most of them don't even have space for a full court. Sure. So as parents, you're pretty much sitting on the court or on a stage at the end of the court as kids like run into the wall. So it's it's pure chaos. But. You'd be hard-pressed to explain to some parents in that gym that what's happening on that court with these 11-year-old boys isn't the most important thing happening in the world. (laughs) Yes, it is. Because if they lose this game, (laughs) you can allow your world, if you're not careful, to get very small, where you barely see past the end of your nose. Have you ever kind of been convicted about that, that your world has gotten kind of small? (laughs) (laughs) You don't have have kids yet. Kids shrink your world quite a bit. Sure.
2: But no, I I can still feel like my world is small. Um, Like
1: like your capacity sometimes to even know or understand what's going on beyond Mm -hmm. like my own little...
2: Oh, absolutely, because sometimes it feels like there's enough going on inside of my own little circle that I don't really need to be concerned with other things right now. Totally. It can feel
1: that way. It can feel like, man, I got I I got a lot going on in my circle. My circle's pretty crowded. Superdai, you ever wrestle with that tension of like what whatever's going on in your circle kind of takes up your head space, sometimes your prayer space. this
3: morning. I mean, if there's one more card put on top of that. It's the whole pile is just
1: going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can do that sometimes. And it's yeah. not a bad intention. Uh, but this morning, really special interview that's going to kind of blow circuits a little bit. It's one of those kind of interviews that no it's, doubt. if, if you have gotten kind of myopic in your focus and your world's gotten kind of small, don't, I don't want you to feel condemned. I get into this too. But I want to share with you what's happening in the, Iranian church. Yeah, in Iran. We're going to talk about it coming up. It's pretty special.
3: Whether
0: it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, one of the things that we love here, Boom Crew, is talking about what God's doing around the globe. I don't know if it's because I'm well-traveled or because I don't know what it is. I have a heart for the persecuted church and, frankly, the opposition they face. And here's why I think I've got a heart for them. I see almost a more dynamic Christianity and discipleship of Christ where there's opposition and persecution more so than when there's blessing in the absence thereof. Isn't that weird how that works?
1: It is. And we want to talk about that this morning with a special guest. Her name is Lana Silk. She's the chief executive officer with a ministry called Transform Iran USA. Born and raised in Iran before emigrating to the UK where she completed her education. Lana, I love this. Your mission, you consider it your life calling to represent and advocate for the people of Iran in the West. How did that become your
3: mission? We'll start there. I was actually born on... Um, the 8th of September, 1978, that date is known in Iran as Black Friday. Uh, that's the day that took the greatest number of casualties and fatalities in the in Iran's fight to bring in the Islamic regime that took place a few months afterwards. Um, so you say to any... Iranian, do you know what Black Friday is? They're not going to talk about Thanksgiving sales. They're going to talk about yep. that day yep. back in 1978. Is it, just so for
0: context, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hold on here, Lana. That's when the the Shah was deposed, uh, taken yeah. down. Is that correct?
3: That's the day of the greatest fatalities in the lead up to that. He was deposed a few months later. Okay. But that, that was, that was a, a dramatic day and a very sad day for the people of Iran because of the number of lives that were lost in that fight. Um, you know, God doesn't do anything by accident. And all my childhood, I was aware of that day, and it grouped me. I could have literally been born the day before or after. Mm. And God spoke to me a lot about significance in terms of each of our significance on this earth and the the call to make dramatic differences to the world that we're called to. Um, and then as I really got into the Bible, I read the scripture about how it says David fulfilled the purposes of God for his generation. And I remember as a preteen, young teen, really grappling with that scripture. How does one do such a thing? That's huge. What? what, <laughs> yeah. what how does one even know God's purposes for his generation and then come to be known as someone who fulfilled them? Um, and that became the cry of my heart. Lord, uh, what is your purpose for my generation? And how do I come to to a point where you can look at me with with pleasure and delight and say, yeah, you did that. You fulfilled my purposes for your generation. And as I sought the Lord, he really impressed on me his heart for the people of Iran um, and the fact that he had called me to, uh, you know, be a part of the story that he is writing for Iranians.
0: Love it. Lana Silk is our guest right now, CEO of Transform Iran. All right, Transform Iran has an implication, and that is... We need to see God's hand moving here. So what's going on? We hear so many stories from Open Doors and other great ministries. What is going on in Iran that the average person does not know that you want them to know? And you've got an audience of radically committed Jesus followers that you're speaking to right now, (laughs) Lana.
3: This is such a fun question to answer because God is up to great things in Iran and I I love talking about it because the the secular press or even some of the Christian press would have you no. believe that <laughs> nothing is happening you know this is a lost cause this is a dark land it's impossible it's hard ground you know all these phrases that we throw around there's no such thing as hard ground for the lord there's no such thing as a darkness that his light can't penetrate and i love seeing what god is doing you know we can't say we're doing it we get to we get to be partakers in what he is doing in iran today and what he is doing is is calling the people of iran to himself in their thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. Uh, and he, he's the only one who can get the credit so for it. The church of awesome. Iran is thriving. It's
0: wonderful. Okay. I, I'm, I'm Follow up on this one. What's it mean when it's yes. thriving? Take me there. I mean, what's uh-huh. going on? We know that you can't be, I'm sure it's like the United States. There's a lot of different regions that have a lot of different enforcement of Sharia or whatever that they're up against, but is there is there this cool, stealth passion for Jesus that's in this underground movement, and is it strong?
3: It uh, yes to both. It is strong. It is um, passionate, um, thriving in the sense of fruitfulness, growth, passion, intensity, power. Um, you know, in human terms, it's not—it's not possible. It's not allowed. It's illegal. It's shut down in every way that the authorities can find a way to. Um, and God's having great fun with that. He's saying, "What well, you—you thought you could silence me? You thought you could make it so no one can hear what I'm trying to say to them?" And He is exposing the people of Iran to Himself through their dreams and visions, oh, and I He's love using it. media. And uh, and so, you know, when an Iranian comes to know the Lord, he knows right from the beginning what the consequences to that decision are. Mm. It's illegal. The punishment is death. There's no lukewarm Christianity. You're in or you're out. You don't dabble. So as a result, we have a growing church of Muslim background believers who are pe- prepared to pray, pay and pray yeah. <laughs> the ultimate cost for this commitment to Jesus and who delight in it. They don't consider it a negative. They consider it a privilege and a joy to be called to serve the Lord in this way. Wow.
1: Lana Silk, our guest this morning, Chief Executive Officer with Transform Iran USA. Uh, no lukewarm Christianity in Iran. That that caught my ear. How do we, what can we learn here in the American church about fruit, fruitfulness from the church in Iran? More coming up.
0: Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew
3: Mornings.
1: We've got a special guest with us this morning. We're talking about the church in Iran. This ministry, uh, Transform Iran USA, Lana Silk, the executive officer. You mentioned that there's no lukewarm Christianity in Iran because when someone converts to Christianity, uh, they know that that's illegal and is punishable by death. So the cost is high and they know that from the front. And how is that helpful to the growth of the church and what can we learn here in the States? I
3: think helpful to the growth of the church because it immediately commands a dependence and intimacy with the Lord. Yeah, because amen. Because they know they can't live that way without it. <laughs> they can't succeed in that, um, in that environment without full dependence and intimacy. And that's our challenge here in the West. Uh, You know, we have such great freedoms around us that many have paid a great price for. So um, it's, you know, it's a privilege that we live in a a free environment uh, such as the United States. I live in the United States and I enjoy these freedoms, but it comes with a challenge because when you're in a context where you're persecuted for your faith, then immediately you're forced to live a life that is totally surrendered to Jesus, totally dependent on his leading. I cannot take a step without you liking the path before me. I'm totally dependent on your wisdom, your supernatural power. Otherwise, I will die, quite literally. So now we're here in the state and that environment is is not where we are. We you know we we could take lots of steps whichever direction we like. We could take it or leave it. We could pick up our Bible today and forget it for a week. We could try a different church tomorrow, see if it entertains us better. You know, those are the challenges that we face. Are we, are we, is Christianity a source of entertainment for us? Is it just a comfortable thing? Is it a a tag on or is it something to live and die for? And we have to cultivate that for ourselves.
0: Lana Silk is our guest right now. Okay. I want to take a deeper dive on this one. Let's get really practical because we can say, all right, we got to get more committed and it goes on and on. And having, I'm a pastor first and foremost, who is on air with radio, but I'm going to give you an open mic scenario here. You've got an opportunity here. There's a lot of pastors listening, a lot of church leaders. If Lana Silk was going to come in and have responsibility for leading a thriving disciple making church, what lessons from the Iranian church, Iranian church would you bring here? What would you do differently? What would you change? What would you focus on? The floor is yours. Give us, give us your top one or two or three.
3: I would say that uh, we need to be prepared to be offensive. Jesus was offensive to his the world around him. Hmm. We need to be prepared to make ourselves and our congregations uncomfortable. I think we have come to a point now where there's so much uh, competition for people to join our cause, our movement, our church. And, um, you know, it's very tempting to want to grow uh, something that is, that looks healthy and big on the outside. And for that to happen, then we want people to feel comfortable, loved and safe. And actually those aren't words that I would describe Christianity—it's not comfortable (laughs) and it's not safe. And I think if we stay comfortable and safe, then that's the dangerous place to be. So you know, I have a—I have a sign on my closet door just as I walk out every day. What does risk look like today? You know, what kind of risk am I taking for the Lord today? Am I, am I even having those conversations that make me look, um, I don't know, stupid? Like a
0: fool for Christ? (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, am I, am I having this, God, or do I just want to be respected and loved and, and known and included? Because as soon as I step into that world, then I start to lose the things that um, I should be fighting for, for Jesus. And then, you know what, we don't give him an opportunity to shine. If everything that we do is everything that we can do without him, then he doesn't have <laughs> anything to do. He needs to be, you know, He's not going to come in and be of a decorative extra to my life. He wants me to be in a position where... Lord, if you don't move, then I am, I'm dead here. I need you. Come in power. Amen, and then he sister. gets to really shine. Wow. Lana Silk, Chief yeah. executive officer, Transform
1: Iran. We've mentioned this ministry a couple times. times. Uh, tell us a little bit more about it. I know the mission to transform the nation of Iran into one that bears the image of Christ. There's ministry, there's humanitarian aid. Give us your best elevator pitch for what this ministry is all about.
3: Our heart is to see the whole land You know, all the people in every context be touched by the life-changing love and power of Christ. So for that to happen, there are all these different elements that need to play together. So, first of all, the mantra really, in my mind, is how can they believe if they have not heard? You know, we the people of God, well, the people of Iran need to become the people of God. perhaps that was prophetic. The yes. people of Iran you know need to hear the gospel, so first of all, we are busy making sure that in every way possible, we are blasting the good news of Jesus into that country, and of course we can 't do that legally, and we can 't do it that from within the country the many of the believers there take great risks to share with their neighbors and colleagues and so on. But we use media to empower that. So satellite TV, radio, social media in whatever way we can. And that's the beginning because then God adds fuel to that fire. He draws people to those sound waves in supernatural ways, a number of stories of I was casually surfing and I came upon such and such. He visits them in their dreams and visions. He's calling them to himself. And then they could get in touch with us, and then the fun really begins, because then we get to share the gospel with them. We get to walk them to salvation. We get to disciple them. All of this is done remotely. We take them through a year-long program where we'll meet with them every week, share Christian foundations, Christian family, um, apologetics, church planting even, because you know what, quite often, quite through that the year-long process, We'll go on our weekly call, and the person in Iran will say, I hope you don't mind. I've been sharing what you've been sharing with me, with people around me. I can't keep it to myself. Now I have you on loudspeaker, and there are 30 people in my home, and we all want to know. So now a church is suddenly born, and this person didn't even know Jesus six months ago. So it's an exciting journey for with a, with a church that is young and growing at a rapid rate to make sure that they're equipped, they're resourced, leaders are being developed, and and the rest is what God is doing. It's just growing exponentially and organically. That
1: website for Transform Iran USA, transformiran.com, transformiran.com, if you want to check it out.
0: Okay, I got one final question. Give us a short, powerful story that comes to your heart of the evidence of God at work.
3: Um, there's a story of a woman um, a few years ago. She was um, not a believer, a Muslim. She'd had abdominal surgery and she was in a lot of pain sitting in her house. Um, The nurse was visiting her to tend to her wounds. It was, in how she described it, a very offensive, open sore that had to be dealt with. And um, the nurse didn't come this one day and she was in bed in so much pain and growing in hunger and thinking, how am I going to get through this day? She drags herself to her kitchen to try to get something to eat, um, and just struggling with the pain really and struggling to move. heard the door knock. Now we're in a traditional Iranian house where the uh, where the doorbell goes, it's downstairs, and then there's a courtyard, then you go through the gate to get the door. Um, and she's thinking, "Oh my goodness, maybe that's the nurse. Uh, it's going to be impossible to get down there, but I've got to try." So she painfully and slowly works her way down the stairs, across the courtyard, and opens the door. And there's a man standing there. She's never seen him before. And she describes um, how he's looking at her. And she says it was like all the love in the world was in this man's eyes. The the compassion and the love I felt was intense and overwhelming. And she was a little freaked out by it. And she shut the door. And then she thought, what did I just do? I, I want to see more. <laughs> so she opened the, door, opened the door again. You know, this is in seconds. Yeah. And the man had disappeared. Um, of course, we know this was Jesus visiting her. So she's now completely bewildered. What happened? How did he just suddenly disappear into thin air? Uh, what was this emotion I was just feeling? Um, and lost in her thoughts, she makes her way back up the stairs, up to her room, and she suddenly realizes she's walking at full speed, completely comfortably. She lifts up her shirt to see that her wound has completely disappeared. Oh, my goodness. Um, and she's in shock. You know, she, no answers, just so many questions. Suddenly her phone rings. And she goes to answer her phone, and it's a young um, girl lady who's been renting an apartment from her. And she says, "Madam, so and so, I would like to visit you. Is it a good time now?" And she says, "Sure, of course." And is still in a state of shock. This yeah. come comes. She's thinking, "Why is she visiting me? It's not rent. It's not you. Why is she here?" The girl comes um, to the woman's house and she has a package wrapped in a paper, um, in paper, and she hands it to the woman. And she says, "Um, I have had this for you for some time. And um, I'm a Christian. Now, Already she's putting herself in danger. You know, if that woman was um, against, she could have turned her in. I'm a Christian. I've been praying for you. And um, the Lord had me hold this aside for you. And he told me just now that has the time to give it to you. And she hands it to the woman and she unwraps it. And it's a New Testament. So she begins to share the gospel with the woman, um, leads her to the Lord, connects her to the ministry, and we start discipling and growing her. That woman is now a church pastor, and it's fruitful in her own right. So this is how God is using people and his own supernatural power to draw people to himself.
0: Lana, Lana, Lana. Yeah. Wow. Okay. TransformIran.com. TransformIran.com.
3: Check My it God out.
0: Yeah. Thank you, sister. Wow, Thank you for being with us it's today. It's
3: been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to more.
0: Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings.
1: Do you follow football at all. We are now down to two teams who will yes. be playing in the Super Bowl. And you said two weeks. Is that correct? Yes. yes. I'm not someone who really follows the NFL much, but... I got sent a clip last night in my family group chat. I have a family group chat. Maybe you have one as well. I've I've got one with my parents and I'm one of four. So there's six of us in their group chat, <laughs> parents and four adult siblings, I love that. all of us well into Aww. adulthood, but we still throughout the day, will send. You know, just updates on what we're doing, funny yeah, pictures, clips that we want each other to see. Do you do you have one of those? Yes, your-
2: I've got one with my dad and my brothers, uh, and it's usually consisting of of just sending each other funny videos okay. or memes <laughs> or things like that. But then, you know, if obviously if there's an update that needs to happen, updates we those
1: happen two. there. Do you have a group thread at all? Die, with any with close friends or family? With friends, yes. Friends, yes, yeah. Those group sure. threads I'm are... I'm the only one, so there's no <laughs> Got it. <laughs> group threads are... It can be a lot of fun. So my family group thread, someone I don't even know, who sent this clip of Brock Purdy, who is the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, yes. who will be playing in the Super Bowl. And I didn't know much about him, but after I saw this clip, I thought, I'm cheering this guy on in the Super Bowl. Take a listen to this.
0: Yeah, it's a... Uh... Like, honestly, I think it's just a testament to God and where he's taken me in life. Um, I've never been the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, or any of that. Um, I feel like I've always sort of had to fight for what I get and uh, work for what I get. Um, but God's always given me an opportunity, whether that was in high school, college, and then obviously in the NFL. Getting drafted last, people you know, overlooking you and all that kind of stuff. And then all you need is an opportunity, and when and watching, and see what he does. You know, I put my faith and trust in him, and he's gotten me where I'm at. So. Um, when I'm down 17 at half, honestly, I'm just like thinking, like, all right, God, you've taken me here, and um, win or lose, I'm gonna glorify you, and and uh, that's my peace, that's the joy, that's the the steadfastness, that's where I get it from, and that's the honest truth. So, I, I leaned into that,
1: and sure enough, we were able to come back. I love that. He's a young kid. I yeah. did a little bit of checking, and I, I forgot that he was the one who they were calling Mr. Ir- Irrelevant. That's correct, yeah. yeah. Last pick in the draft. Last pick in the draft, and, you know, a cool sort of rags-to-riches sports story where he yeah. goes from being last, he's the third-string quarterback, and then all of a sudden his injuries force him to be the starting quarterback, and then he wins the spot the next year. Yeah, a, You know, cool sports story, and I, I really feel like the world Kind of poo-poo's to use a Carlism. Poo-poo's these kind of <laughs> these these kind of statements from sure. athletes. Yeah, yeah like sure. oh, how nice, giving God some praise yeah. when when things right. go well. But I love that he said, "Win or lose, I'm going to glorify you, God."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like what a great attitude to have in life.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's kind of that's the thing that stuck out to me too. Because you're right, you hear it a lot. You know uh, in, in people who have won something, particularly sports events where the, the main player who won is being interviewed. And he says, you know, all glory to God. And then, you know, continues, but, but he took the time to say, you know what, whether I win or whether I lose, my focus is on glorifying him. It's not about the outcome that I receive in life that dictates whether I will praise him or not. I will praise him no matter what happens. Yeah, and I mean, you may think, ah, it's a football game. He loses a football game. He can still praise God, but like his his whole career yeah. uh, is hinging on whether or not he can win games you know how people see him and look at him and view him and talk about him Mm -hmm. dictates you know is dictated by how he plays these games so to be able to say he glorifies god either way is a big deal
1: yeah i what did you think of it super die listening to it oh especially with the the youth and the young and, and that and it's football you know and that that sort of arena where like you said Pooh pooed, we're using carlisms here, but not only that, but just kind of tends to be something where you don't want to say it because talking of the courage to speak out, we yeah. just heard from Lana Silk and what's going on. I mean, that's a much huger realm, but the thing is, this young kid in this football, in this broadcasting, and in, in, in this sort of like I said, arena of, of, of just the atmosphere of it. To be that bold and speak out, yeah, and not be shy about it. I'm mean, like, go, go, Brock, yeah, you know. And and you know, I'm glad you brought that up because you hear an interview like we like we just had with Lana Silk and and what's happening in Iran, and then yes, football can can feel so ridiculously mundane and unimportant. And yeah. if the football itself is football. There's no, you know, I don't know if we'll play football in 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 heaven. I, I, I sure don't, hope so. I don't so. know.
2: then i'll be good at it maybe we'll see who knows
1: but yeah does it it's football doesn't mean anything these games don't mean anything in any eternal sense but here's i think the challenge from both of those interviews is that we can start wherever god has us right now yeah yeah faithful bold witness for god right now
2: yeah well i mean i think it's it's t- to say something like, well, football doesn't really matter, would be to give in to the lie that what we do for our job, if it's not ministry, doesn't matter. Correct,
1: And I, I want to correct there. I did not mean that that your job doesn't matter. Well, I mean, like course. football games. No, There's of course. No-
2: absolutely. But but I think that like w- I, I think you're actually making the point is to say yeah, like just because it doesn't have this eternal the the job itself doesn't have an eternal weight to it, what you do in yes. the job yes. has an eternal weight. I think you made
1: the point. And I and and so I think that that's the takeaway from both of those is that it can you can hear about persecuted Christians in another part of the world and and it can feel like what in what in the world am I doing with my life? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I'm living in suburban Chicago and you know, I'm not facing any persecution and I get frustrated at the at the checkout line if the checker's not mo- you know moving sure. fast enough traffic and you can start exactly yeah. you can start to and it's good to have a healthy perspective uh, of of the world and what Christians around the world are are going through and it's good to cry out to God and ask him to to show you himself in a new way. You hear an exciting miracle story like we heard. But faithfulness right where we're at is really important. Faithful with little, and God gives more.
0: Helping you start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings.
1: So the show had a bit of a setup. It was... Usually a person was nominated by family or friends who found their fashion choices to be pretty ba- pretty bad. <laughs> Pretty the bad. show was called What Not to Wear. I remember that. Give me a little a – dro- drop a text if you've seen this one. The text 312-274-9624. It was hosted by these two stylists who, of course, because it was a reality show, they had these big personalities. And so the show would start with secret footage of, of kind of the <laughs> – Secret footage. Secret footage of, of this person over the the, the previous weeks of outfits <laughs> that they would actually wear. And we're talking like people who not just didn't have – much of a sense of style, but who wore went out of the house wearing like things that just
2: you should never go out of the house wearing
1: <laughs> so like <laughs> ill fitting really not flattering or either out of date or and it's so it was all in good fun. And obviously the show would never make the air if the person didn't agree to it. Agreed, so yeah, it absolutely. was good natured and you, and then they would kind of ambush them and, and they would offer them $5,000 to put toward a new wardrobe <laughs> if they agreed to kind of be coached along by these stylists. And of course they always said yes. And usually the person being ambushed, had a good sense of humor about their own style. Like, this is what I choose. I really don't care about clothes. I don't care about fashion. (laughs) I don't want to spend money on frivolous things. So it was always a fun – they always had a fun personality. But then they would go through their current wardrobe piece by piece and they would – just dump things like this. You can never wear this top again. <laughs> oh, yeah. These jeans should never see the light of day. It's and it, done. Was, it was a hilarious show because by the end, you know, it was like sort of the happily ever after. They get these fashion rules. They would start to learn how to dress for their particular body type. And everybody lived happily ever after. <laughs> But the fun of the show was kind of seeing this transformation process of someone recognizing, wow, I actually am wearing things that no longer fit me, (laughs) things that were stylish when I was in high school, but I'm now in my 40s. I'm holding on (laughs) to things that I really should be letting go of because there's a better way. And then they get really excited because they see, wow, There are clothes out there that make me feel really good about myself. There are things that present my Mm -hmm. best features and that there are certain colors that maybe bring out my eyes. And I'm I'm not leaning into any of that because I've been settling for so much less. Mm. And so I thought about this show as I was thinking about our show. Early this morning, I was awake and couldn't sleep, and I was thinking about Colossians 3 and this call to put off things that no longer fit with the life we now live in Christ. There are things that we settle for that are so far beneath what's available, sometimes because it's comfortable, sometimes because we've just given in or given up. Yeah. Let me read to you out of Colossians 3. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness We've been talking these last couple of days about what we are putting off. There are things to be put off that do not fit anymore. And this, by the way, this was to a church. This was to believers who were hanging on to old sin. How do I know this? Yeah. It says, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. That reminder in verse three of their identity in Christ is crucial. You cannot break off of old habits if you are not new in Christ. It's just behavior modification. But mm-hmm. because they were new in Christ, they had the power available to them to break ties with these things that weren't, didn't fit anymore, but yet they were still hanging on. And how often do we do, this, do the same? Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> power available to us mm-hmm. because we have Christ, the hope of glory. We have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in me and in you, but we live like we're still a slave to these things. Just like people live with a closet full of clothes that don't flatter, don't fit, that they're never, they never should see the light of day because they're settling. We do the same, but the consequences are far greater than ill-fitting clothes. We settle for anger, malice, slander, obscene talk, wrath. And we write it off as, well, you know, I just, I just get angry sometimes. That person just triggers me. That's just how I was raised. Yeah. Everybody in my family is like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ouch, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We've all made these excuses, particularly with this list. And this is not exhaustive, this is not a comprehensive list of every possible sin you could be holding on to from your old life. Yesterday, we hit the sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness or greed. Today, this one might hit a little closer to home for you, even if yesterday didn't. Anger, slander, talking bad about people, obscene talk, malice, not really wishing people well, wrath. Young Thunder, does this one feel like it may hit home for maybe more people yeah I think
2: one hundred percent of people uh, I think
3: <laughs> yep, that's I it. think everybody in this
2: room, I think everybody listening out there, I think everybody not listening out there uh, has has struggled with these things, struggled to let go of these things, yeah, uh, especially after coming to Christ. I mean, and, and i and I say that because I speak for myself as well, yeah, that these things are they're the things that we would consider less severe just the little things well i was i was raised this way this is just a part of who i am yeah. i can't help it so there's nothing to do about it those things
1: and it's 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 convicting but it's in a in a good way coming up we're going to talk about why that you know you say that thing that you then immediately regret and you feel kind of bad about it i had one of those recently it's a really good thing to feel not so great after you've said something you shouldn't say we'll talk about that coming up
0: Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings.
1: I had no idea there were so many other people who watched What Not to Wear. Boom Crew, it was a favorite of yours, too. (laughs) We even heard from somebody who was selected. Whoa. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Selected at a women's event where they picked someone out of the audience. That's awesome. (laughs) It's amazing. Hilarious. And then someone else who said they wanted to be picked. There was this sense of... Like wow, I I think it would be fun to have somebody like show me how to really dress. Yeah, help, absolutely, yeah, help me.
2: I mean, speaking, you know, I I'm probably the voice of the fashion challenged community in some states. Uh, <laughs> some you know, states. I think that that yeah, I would love to get a free five thousand dollars to get some help on <laughs> what I should wear and <laughs> yeah. what looks good.
1: It was it was a really Ooh. fun show, but the big takeaway, obviously, is we're talking about the in this spiritually speaking, there are things that have to go. And this clothing metaphor, Paul uses it because it's really effective. When you think about putting off something, we change clothes all the time. That's a very easy one for us to grab onto. And so when he says putting things away, putting to death, putting off, all of these are action steps that we can take Why? Not because we have this tremendous willpower or sense of strength in ourselves, but because we, our life is hidden with Christ and God. We have died to our old self, that enslavement to sin that existed pre-Christ for every one of us, regardless of how old you were when you came to faith. You came to faith at four years old. That's awesome. Every single person was still born a slave to sin. Yep. But then the power of sin, the enslavement, that bondage was broken definitively. So we no longer have to live like we are a slave to our anger or to our wrath or to our malice or to our slander or to our obscene talk. We may commit those sins, but we are not a slave to them. And this instruction here is put those things away because you have the power of Christ to do so. You do not have to be angry. You do not have to be full of wrath and to be saying things that you shouldn't say. It's really that simple. It's hard. I know. I I have not figured out and I've not arrived by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) But it's such a good reminder for all of us that we have the power to put to death the things that are earthly, those things that don't fit our new life in Christ You have the power of Christ at work in you today. Let's live like it.
0: Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.